today, I want you guys to, I know we've been talking about the wilderness a lot, but I feel like, um, I just feel like it's really important. And so I know a lot of times I talk about how like, so I'm, I'm actually piggybacking on a sermon that I gave before about what to do when God doesn't answer. And I want to kind of go back to that a little bit today because I feel like God gave me a passage that will help us in that space. So, you know, have you ever, I'm speaking to the people who are going through a difficult time. And then when you pray to God, one of two things happened. Either it got worse or you didn't hear nothing. And you're like, all right, God, what's up with that? I thought you were going to do something. I thought you were going to come through. And I want to speak to that place. So I'm going to share with you a very humorous story of when I felt that way. It's not really that, yeah, serious. So I was in like middle school and there was this girl that I liked for like five years or four years. I liked her since like the fifth grade or something. And so, um, so finally in the eighth grade, I don't even remember so long ago. That's how old I am. I think it was, the, yeah, the eighth grade, she liked me. So we went out, not really, for a week, like literally a week. And then she broke up with me. So she broke up with me. And I remember that day she broke up with me because I walked her home from school. And she broke up with me at her front door. And then she closed the door in my face. So I was broken, right? I was like, you know, I'm like this, whatever. How old are you in eighth grade? Like 13, 14-year-old kid. I'm like crying, right? And it's raining, right? So I'm really not making this up. I'm like, wow, it's raining. And, you know, so I'm walking back home and it's raining and I'm like, God, what is this happening to me? And literally, because I'm not like watching where I'm going, I slip on the curb because it's like tilted and I literally fall face forward into a puddle. And then like, there's like mud and like muddy water, everything all over my school uniform. And I was just like, literally like sitting in the puddle for a little bit and it's raining on me. I'm just like, wow, this could not get any worse. So maybe you feel like that sometimes. That's my humorous story for you. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm going through something hard. God, why is this happening to me? And as I'm walking, I can't even get home. And then it gets worse. And then something else happens. And you're like, God, you couldn't even, you couldn't even stop that from happening. You couldn't even protect me from getting my, my only, I only had one school uniform too. So I had to wash it like every, every, uh, every weekend. And so I had to like go home and tell my mom, yeah, I need to do extra laundry. So I only had one school uniform and it was all muddy. I said, God, you couldn't even protect me and get me home safe. You couldn't even stop the rain. So I didn't have to walk home in the rain. I wonder if you guys feel that way. And I feel like God wants to speak to that place today. So we have a lot to go through. So let's just get to it. No jokes today. I don't have that many jokes today. I'm not that funny. So we're going to be in Genesis 32 today. And it's a very popular story that many of us have heard, but I believe that God wants to bring out a truth in it that we may miss. Okay, it's called Jacob Wrestles with God. So I'm going to read it for you real quick. It's not on the screen, okay? The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford at the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, 
Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of his thigh. And so this story is very, very popular. We talk about God and Jacob, this wrestling match. But you need to understand how he got here. And it's a lot. So I'm going to go through it real quick. But Jacob's story is very interesting. So why is he even in this place? Why is he even here? If you read very carefully in the beginning of that passage, it says that he took his wife and all his possessions and he sent it on the other side of the river. Because something very important was about to happen the next day. He was about to see his brother, whom he had not seen for many, many, many years. And his relationship with his brother, if I could put it lightly, was very broken. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you the two things that really destroyed their, brother, their friendship as brothers forever. <laughs> not forever, because God redeemed it, but for a long time. And so his mother was Rebecca. And so as she gave birth to them, they were fighting inside of her womb trying to be the first one to come out because they wanted to be the older one. Now, why is that important? Because in Israelite society, the firstborn son gets special blessing, gets special honor and also special inheritance. It's kind of like when you're written into the will, the older brother gets a larger portion. It's called his birthright. He gets more. And so I don't know how... Okay, that's just crazy. How do babies even know that? But whatever. They just wanted to be first. I'm sure they didn't know that, but they just wanted to be first. But it's actually very important. So they're fighting. They're twins. And they're fighting in the womb, trying to get out first so that they can be the firstborn son. And so Esau, because he's stronger, you'll find out why, he gets out first. But the battle is so intense inside the womb when they're like newborn babies that Jacob's hand is on his foot, like trying to pull him back in. And he's still holding on to him as Esau's coming out. So that already kind of shows the tension of their relationship. So it's not going to get any better. So as they grew up, Esau is the hunter. He's like the super hairy guy. I mentioned him. He's like all like crazy. And he goes out and he kills game and he brings it back for the family to eat. So, I mean, that's why he's stronger. And Jacob, Jacob's like the good boy at home, you know. He's like the homebody, and he hangs out with his mom, and he takes care of the tent, and he learns to cook and things like that. So they're very different. So I imagine he's very, like, clean-shaven, you know. Like, he's very, like, put together. He's very, like, cordial. He, like, knows how to host well. He's very, like, he's the, ex he's like the, he's, a, he's like the, um, the extrovert, and, like, Esau's like the introvert because he just goes into the wilderness <laughs> and kills stuff, you know. So they're very different in that way. Now, here's where it gets really bad. So one day, and you have to know, Jacob is looking for a way to even the score because he doesn't like the fact that he's not first. So one day, J Jacob is cooking. He's cooking. He's preparing dinner. And Esau comes back, and he's been hunting for a long time, and he didn't catch anything. So he's tired. He's thirsty. He's like, he's famished. Like, he's about the point of death. He's like really, like, exhausted because he's been out in the wilderness. So he's running back home. He's like, he sees Jacob. And he's like, give me something to eat. Now, this is really messed up. If you're a good brother, you'd be like, sure. Like, you're cooking. You have food. He's like, yeah, I'll give you something to eat. But he goes, no. Sell me 
your, sell me your birthright. Now that's messed up. Like, okay, you guys got to understand this. Like, if you came home hungry and you asked your mom for food, and she was like at the kitchen, like cooking, like, I don't know, like kimchi jagage, and she's just like, you want some of this? She'd be like, clean the bathroom first. Like, come on, man. Like, that's messed up. Like, like that's not like, she's like, she, he didn't even like care enough about his brother personally to take care of him. He's like, nope, give me something for it. He's like, you could die to me. That's what he's basically saying. Like, give something to me. You want it? Man, that's messed up. But Esau, in his desperation, was like, fine. He said, what is it worth to me if I'm dead? Just give it to me. So that's the first time Jacob tricked him. And it says after that happened, Esau despised his birthright. He despised his own inheritance because of how he lost it. Now it gets worse. We fast forward. Jacob gets him a second time. So his father, Isaac, is very, very old in age. And he's, his vision is going dim and he's about to die. So he says to his son, Esau, you're my firstborn. I'm about to die. I want to give you my final blessing before I leave this earth. It's a very special one. So now Jacob has taken physical inheritance from him. But Isaac is saying, I still have spiritual inheritance to give to you. I want to give you blessing over you and your family for generations to come. So before I leave, I want to do this for you. So go out and make me a meal. Go kill my favorite type of, you know, game. Cook it for me and bring it back. We'll eat together and I'll bless you. So when he left, well, Rebecca likes Jacob because, you know, he stays at home. So Rebecca heard what was happening. Is it Rebecca or Rachel? I just realized that. Yes, thank you, Lord. That's Holy Spirit. So Rebecca ran and grabbed Jacob and said, this is about to happen. What you need to do, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm going to put goat's hair on you so you feel hairy like your brother. I'm going to cook the food for you, and you're going to beat him into, the fa- into your father's room and take that blessing too. So that's what he did. So Jacob takes the food that his mom prepared for him. He put on his costume. He went to Isaac, and he took his blessing. So Esau comes back second. He prepares everything. He comes in. And Isaac said, who is this? He says, Esau. And it says, Isaac. He said, Isaac lost the color in his face because he realized what happened. He said, someone else already came in. And Esau cried. And he said, Lord, is there nothing, not, is there anything left for me? And he said, no. And the blessing he gave him was very sad. So Esau, as you can understand, was very upset. And it said that he made a vow in his heart. He was going to kill his brother after his father passed. So Rebecca knew this. And she told Jacob, you have to run away from home. You got to get out of here. Just leave. Get out. Because your brother is going to kill you. Just get out. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation where you've had Family struggle like that. Maybe you can understand. So he really, he literally had to run away from home. She's like, you can't be here anymore. You got to get out. So that's why they're separated. Now, a bunch of crazy stuff happens in between. You should go read Genesis. It's really good. So we're going to fast forward to the reunion part. And so you're thinking, why would Jacob, after all these years, and tricking his brother twice and getting the best of him, why would he want to come home? Can we have the next verse on the screen? It's very simple. It's because God told him to. He says, I'm the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return 
to the land of your kindred. He said, Jacob, it's time. It's time. It's time to face, it's time to face the music. It's time to restore what was broken. Have you guys ever been in that situation where you know God's been asking you to do something? It ties in perfectly with my wife's powerful message last week. Sometimes God asks you to do what you don't want to do. He's saying, Jacob, it's time. It's time. It's time to go back and see your brother. So, Jacob's very smart. What he does first is he sends a messenger. Because <laughs> you don't go to your warrior hunter brother by yourself. That's dumb. So he sends a messenger first to greet him and ask him how he's doing. And Esau says, oh, I would love to meet you with my 400 men. And so that's the message the messenger brings back. So Jacob is scared. He's like, what? He didn't say, I'm going to bring my family. I'm going to bring like just myself. He's like, it's me and my 400 men, the men that I hunt with. Oh, okay. So Jacob's like, this, okay, this is not good. Let me try something else. So what he does then is he sends gifts. But he doesn't send one gift. He doesn't send two gifts. He doesn't send three. I sound like LeBron James. Not one, not two. Not, only those of you who are basketball fans know what I'm talking about. So he sends 10 gifts. And he didn't send them all at one time. He sent them one at a time. It's like the 12 days of Christmas, but it's the 10 days of Jacob. He sends one at a time to go meet Esau on the way. Isn't that smart, man? There's some, there's some wisdom in this. There's some wisdom in this. If you need to bring peace between you and someone, mm, if you send me 10 gifts 10 days in a row, mm, glory, you can be my friend. I forgive you of whatever you did to me. Then he does one last thing. It's him and his family. He separates everything that he has into two camps. It's a survival technique because he's thinking, if he comes after me and tries to kill me, at least the other half of my family will survive. I'll run one way and they can get away. So he separates his own family into two groups. He's preparing for the worst. And so here's where we pick up the story. It's the night before he's about to encounter his brother. And so he sends everything to the other side of the river. and He just wants some alone time. You guys ever felt that way? He's just like, I just need to be alone with God. I just, I'm scared for my life right now. If you guys have been to that point, like, it's hopeless right now. It looks real bad. I, I just got to be alone right now. I can't sleep. I just can't be around anybody. I just got to be alone to my thoughts and, and just process by myself. And even Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even though he had his disciples nearby, he went off further by himself. And this is where Jacob is. And so it is kind of humorous, but we have to ask, what was he doing? He was praying. He was asking God to save him, to do something, because he doesn't know if he's going to live tomorrow. And can we go to the next verse? This is his prayer. Have you guys ever prayed this prayer? Jacob said, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. He may come and attack me. The mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offering, offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. 
So he's trying to pray. He's trying to seek after God. He's saying, please, God, save me. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then he gets into a wrestling match. That's weird, guys. I imagine he's just like minding his own business, praying to God. And this guy just comes out of nowhere and like tackles him. And he's like, what the heck? He's like, what's going on? He lives like, that's messed up. Like, just try to spend some QT with Jesus. And I'm trying to think of a contemporary example. I don't know, maybe like someone turns on the music really loud. Maybe like you get a phone call, your phone, your phone won't stop ringing. All of a sudden, just bam, this guy just attacks him. It's crazy. He gets into a wrestling match as he's trying to seek the face of God. Now, before we get any deeper, this is really, really important. I've heard many people talk about this story before, but I believe that we misunderstand what the wrestling match is a metaphor for. We've, I've heard many times people say that the metaphor is that God is in the struggle because he's the one wrestling Jacob, right? So God is the one that's, that you're struggling with and that you have to hold on to him and then you'll be blessed. Now I want you to know that's not quite right. Now here's why. Because if you believe that God is the force or the reason behind your struggle, that's a very dangerous conclusion you're making. You're saying that God is the one that's wrestling you and giving you hardship. I don't believe that's God. That's the wrong metaphor. Woo, Jesus. That's the wrong metaphor. I want to say that one more time. When you read this story, the wrestling match is not, oh, the, the wrestling match is a metaphor for my struggle, for my hurt, for my pain, for my, for my uncertainty, for, my, for this lonely place where I feel like there's nothing there for me. That's not the metaphor. Because now you're saying that God is doing it to you. I want you to know something. That's never God's heart. The reason why you're experiencing an obstacle or a struggle or pain or a trial is not because God is doing it to you. God is never the source or the author of your pain, ever. You have to believe that. I don't think you guys can grasp that yet. He is never the author, the originator, the source of your pain. He may allow other things that are those sources to come near to you, but he himself is never that. You have to believe that. Because if you feel like you're fighting God, the devil already won. I'm going to say that one more time. If you feel like right now you are fighting God, the devil already won. I'm going to tell you right now, God is not your enemy. God is not your enemy. He is not the one that you're wrestling to try to subdue so that you can have happiness or the answers that you want. He is not your enemy. He is your friend. He is your father. He is your savior. He is not your enemy. So he is not the one that you are fighting against. So the wrestling match is not a metaphor for a fight, for the struggle. So then the next logical question is, okay, Jeremy, then what is it a metaphor for? Okay, that's why I'm here. I'm going to tell you. The metaphor is the wrestling match was God answering that prayer. Jacob asked God for something very specific. And God said, okay, I'm going to answer you. <laughs> 
It doesn't make sense, right? He's asking him, God, give me assurance for tomorrow. Give me your promise. Tell me everything's going to be okay. So God says, okay, you want it? Let's wrestle. <laughs> this is the answer to his prayer. That's what this wrestling match is. So now your question might be, well, what's that got to do with me, Jeremy? Is God going to wrestle me? No, I don't think God's going to wrestle you. I don't think he's going to. He can do anything. I think for you, this is a snapshot of when you ask God to show himself to you, this is the process. We're going to dissect. I don't like that word, dissect. We're going to learn from Jacob's story. When you ask God to show up, this is how he shows up. But there's three things that we can learn from a wrestling match that can tie over to how God is going to reveal himself to you. When you feel like you have nothing, when you feel like you're alone, when you feel like you're praying and you're not hearing anything. Are you guys ready to get into that? I had to set the stage first so you understand the metaphor. That's what this wrestling match is for, okay? So how does God draw us into his presence? How does he reveal himself to us? Let's get to it. I'm excited. You guys excited? I'm excited. The first thing that we have to realize in the wrestling match is that Jacob doesn't realize it's God initially. This guy out of nowhere just tackles him and he's like, what is going on? He's like fighting this guy. He's like, oh my gosh, is this guy trying to kill me? He's probably thinking, is this a robber? Is this a thief? Is this like a bandit, right? Because he's literally by himself, right, in the wilderness. So he's an easy target. He's thinking, oh dude, is this guy trying to rob me? He's trying to burglarize me. He's just trying to kill me. I don't know what's happening. So he doesn't realize it's God. Can I ask you guys a question? How many times do we miss God and he's standing right beside us? How many times when you feel like you're alone, but God is saying, I'm right here. But you see, God doesn't always come in the same way. That's my first point for you guys today. When you ask God to show up, he always comes. But he doesn't come the way that you expect every time. He doesn't come the way that you think he will. He doesn't come in a set amount of ways. You know, we like to put God in a box. We like to have like a formula where we like to have a list of like, oh yeah, God kind of looks like this. You know, like when I work, when I put worship music on and then like I get the feels, like then that's Jesus, right? Or like when I read a Bible verse and it makes me feel a certain way, like, oh, that's Jesus, you know? Or like when I get that random phone call from a friend, oh, Jesus sent that to me. We like to tell God how he has to show up. Let me tell you something. When God answers your prayer, he chooses how he shows up. But we miss it so many times because it's not what we asked for. But is it? Jacob didn't ask for a wrestling match, but God still showed up. He answered his prayer. So my first point is, I want to encourage you, those of you who feel like God's not answering, I'm going to tell you with all my heart, he is. But we don't listen for his answer because it comes in an unexpected way. You have to ask the Holy Spirit Open my eyes to know that you're with me. Help me believe the truth that I know. You can't rely on your senses. You can't rely on your senses. You have to know the truth. God will come in an unexpected way. He won't answer you the way that you want to be answered. He'll answer in the way that you need an answer. You guys catch that? Come on. So I believe that he came in that way because he wanted to see if Jacob could recognize him. And I believe that God's asking the same thing to you. Will you recognize me if I walk into the room? 
Will you recognize my voice when I answer you? Even if it comes in a different way. So now, why wrestle at all? I think that's a good question. <laughs> why wrestle at all? So why did God choose to use a wrestling match? Because he did show up. So why did he choose a wrestling match? Now this is very, very important. I gotta get this right. Because I'm gonna go kind of deep into theology. But you guys gotta follow me, okay? But it's gonna be good, I promise. So I gotta get myself ready. <sighs> okay, you guys ready? Why did God choose to have to wrestle with him? I got to paint this for you. This is, what's, this is how I imagine the story happening. He's wrestling with this person. And at some point, Jacob realizes it's God. He realizes this is not a person. This is God. Now, he's thinking to himself, I cannot win. If you realize it's God, right? He's thinking to himself, I can't win. How can I win this wrestling match? Now, God chose a wrestling match and gave him an impossible task because if we look back at Jacob's life, he thought that he had to earn everything. So God chose to wrestle with him and say, you want an answer? You want my blessing? Take it from me then just like you took your brother's birthright. Just like you took your brother's blessing from your father. You take everything that you think is yours, Jacob. You take everything that you, that you want. You swindle and you lie and you cheat and you take everything because you believe in your heart that you have to earn everything. So God's like, okay, you want my blessing? You want me to protect you tomorrow? Let's fight for it. Earn it. Just, we'll, we'll do it your way. Let's go. Take it from me. And in the moment he's doing it, he realizes, I can't. I can't. I want you guys to know something. I believe God is trying to say that to you too today. I think whether we realize it or not, we are kind of like Jacob with God. We try to manipulate God and swindle God the way Jacob did with Esau. Here, I'll, I'll paint it for you because you're like, no, I don't do that. Okay, I know, I know. It's not as malicious as I make it sound. It's very subtle. But we do this. God, I really need an answer. So I'm going to read my Bible. I don't know to read my Bible, but I'm going to read my Bible. And then you'll answer me, right? Well, I don't know to go to church, God, but oh man, I really need an answer. So I'm going to show up to church. I'm going to worship as loud as I can and just raise my hand as high as I can. And you're going to answer me, right? Right? Oh, God, I don't normally do QT, you know, I'm too busy for that. But, man, I mean, I, I, I'm stuck at my wit's end right now, so I'm, I'm going to pray and you're going to answer me, right? You see that? We like to simplify it like it's a formula. God, if I pray this many days in a row, you're going to answer, right? If I read the Bible this many times and be a good Christian, you're going to answer, right? If I earn your favor, I earn your answer by my actions, you're going to give me what I want, right? I want you guys to know something. God cannot be manipulated. I want you to know God's going to answer your prayer whether you go to church or not. God's going to save you whether you go to church or not. God's going to meet you where you are whether you go to church or not. You come to church 
not to get an answer. You come to church to see a person. I'm going to say that one more time. You don't come to church to get an answer out of him. You come to church to meet with a person. That's like saying when I invite someone to dinner, the only reason why I want to have a meal with them is because at the end of the meal, I got to ask them for a favor. God says, don't come here and do that. You know why? Because he loves you so much. He would have given you that favor even if you didn't come to dinner. Because that's what a loving father does. He says, I thought we came to dinner to have a conversation. I thought we came to dinner so that we could share what's on our hearts. I thought we came to dinner because you wanted to see my face. Because I wanted to see your face. I thought you came to dinner because you wanted to sit beside me. Because I wanted to sit beside you. That's why you come. That's why you pray. That's why you read the word. It's never to get something out of God. He's a good, good father, you guys. He's already given you more blessings in your life than you already deserve. He's already given you blessings in your life that you hadn't even asked for yet. Because he knows you needed it before you even asked for it. So why change it up then in your time of need? As if he's a God that you needed to beg it for. God, please give it to me. He already has open hands, guys. You don't need to try to manipulate God. He's going to give it to you. And freely, you insult him when you treat him like that. He loves you. He'll tell you, get up off your feet. You don't have to beg. I love you. He was trying to teach Jacob that. Jacob, you don't have to wrestle this from me. I would give you my blessing for free. But he had to teach him. You can't win like this. He had to show him the futility of that attempt. So I'm here to tell someone today that maybe the reason why God is not revealing himself to you is because he's saying, I can't answer your prayer if you have that mentality. Because if I come, when you come and ask like that, you're going to think that that's how it works. Do you get what I'm saying? If you have that mentality and then he shows up, then you're like, oh, that's a winning formula. You're going to do it again and again and again. You guys get what I'm saying? Can I get an amen? I feel like I need you guys to get this. This is so powerful. This is so important. That's why he can't come. He's not not coming because he doesn't want to. But he cannot reward that wrong thinking because you're going to do it the rest of your life. Do you guys get that yet? He has to get you to the point where you're like, this ain't working. And Jesus is like, yeah, because that's not how you get my favor. I give it to you freely so stop coming to church looking for it you already have it so he's not going to show up because he can't reward that wrong mentality okay guys gotta catch that that's why he chose to wrestle with jacob and and didn't let him win so now jacob has two options at this junction of the wrestling match I can't win. It's God. That's pretty scary. So, what, so you have two options, right? First option is I quit. And I'll be honest with you guys. I've been there. You can hear this sermon. Be like, yeah, that's great, Jeremy. But you know what? I don't have faith for it. I've been praying and he hasn't shown up. I'm, I'm done with that. You win, God. Have it your way. You can pin me down. I'm done. I'm just going to quit. I feel like a lot of us do this. You know what the danger in that is? 
What you're saying when you quit is that I didn't really need you anyway, God. You know that prayer that I prayed, that really crazy prayer that I prayed? Eh, I didn't really need you. I got a plan B. I got a plan B. You didn't show up, God. I'll take care of this on my own. I'll take care of myself like I always do. You're not faithful. I got this. Didn't need you anyway. Do you know why I think God allows us to wrestle and struggle? There's a second reason. This is my second point. It's because he wants to know how desperate are you? If he comes right on demand, what does that say about God? And what does that say about you? Then we believe, oh, I'm in control. When I call Jesus, he shows up. Whenever I want, Jesus, bing. You're not Aladdin. He's not genie. It's the other way. He's God. And we're just his creation. You just have to catch that. He, he wants to know how desperate are you for his presence? How desperate are you for his answer? How much do you really think you need him? I'm going to tell you guys right now, I don't think most of us, I'm including myself, I don't think we realize how much we really need God. I'm going to say that one more time. I don't think we really realize how much we actually need God. It's not a wishing well where we just pray and we throw money into it and, oh, maybe he'll answer. Maybe not, but I'm just going to go about my life anyway. You didn't answer me, God. It's fine. I'm going to take care of me. Don't worry about it. Didn't need it anyway. God, it's not like that, guys. It's not. It's not. Well, I got family problems. You know, it'd be nice, God, if you stepped in and be easier, make it easier for me. Well, I got financial problems, God. It'd be nice if you stepped in, you know, try to help me out. But, you know, I'm going to take care of me anyway. We, we, we kind of let it like, it's like, like, oh, if it sticks, it works, good. If it doesn't, eh. Guys, can I paint the picture for you of what's really happening in the spirit? This is how much we need God. It's really simple. And you might think I'm too dramatic, but that's just my personality. This is the truth. The difference between having God and not having God is life and death. That's it. It's not plan A and plan B. It's not, oh, it's easier or harder. Literally, it is life and death. And God is saying, I want to know if you really believe that. I want to know if you're desperate for me. If you really believe it's the difference between life and death, you're not going to stop praying. You're not going to stop praying until you get life. But we don't think that. We think Jesus is like an app on our phone. We download it. We, we, when we need it, we tap on it, and then it makes our life easier and better. We just kind of add Jesus on to what we already got going on. We just kind of add a little Jesus. Like, oh, I got a problem here. Let me just use the Jesus app and make that easy. It's like the Staples thing where it's that easy button. We treat Jesus like the easy button. Oh, I got a problem. Let me take out the easy button and slap on it, and it's going to make my problem better. No. No, that's not God. That's not the relationship that God is looking for with you. And that's not the nature of how the relationship actually works. It's not an easy button. Jesus is not just added to your life. Jesus is your life. You don't have any life outside of him. You don't have anything good outside of him. Anything that you have is from him. And anything that's good in your life is from him. You need to know that. You need to know that there's no life outside of him. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing.
God was testing Jacob. How desperate are you for me? Do you really think that you need me? Do you really think I'm the only one for you? I'm the only one who can save you. I'm the only one that can turn your life around. And I think God's asking you the same question. Because if you really thought that, if, if you were poisoned with something and someone had the antidote and they weren't pricking up the phone, you ain't going to stop calling. Come on. Be serious. You would not stop calling. God is saying, I just want to know how desperate are you for me? How desperate are you for my presence? How much do you value it? How much do you think you really, really need it? And so here's the second thing. So Jacob's second option is to hold on for dear life. So he got the point, right? He's desperate now, right? He's holding on for dear life. He's like, so imagine this is his thought process. I'm wrestling God. I can't win but I need an answer. So what do I do? I can't win. I can't, I, I, can't, I can't coax him to give it to me. So what do I do? So this is what I imagine he did. I just imagine he's like grabbing onto like one leg, one of his legs or like one of his limbs, and he's just like, nope, I can't win, but you're not leaving. That's it. I think that's the word of the Lord for you today. That's how you pray. That's what desperation looks like. You're not trying to win and get something from God. But you say, God, I know you're here. I can't feel it. But I'm going to grab onto anything I can. And I'm going to hold on to this leg. And you're not leaving. And I'm not leaving until I get an answer from you. Because you're the one I need. And he just holds on to his leg. And he's kind of like, dude, let go. Like, let me go. And he, they do that until sunrise. And he's like, let me go. Let me go. And Jacob's like, no, no. You're the one I need. Then God knew, you're desperate for me. But here's the second part. You can be desperate, but you can't doubt. You can be desperate, but don't doubt. See, we think desperation means I'm at my wit's end. This is my last hope, but I'm not really still sure it's going to happen. I'm not really sure this is going to work out. No, God is saying to you today, I want you to be desperate, but not doubting. Say that one more time. You got to be desperate and not doubting. Jacob held on to his leg, not just because he was desperate, but because he did not doubt and he knew God is here. I've got a hold of him and I want an answer. You guys have to believe that. I know it's hard. I don't know what struggle you're going through. I don't know what hard thing is in front of you. I don't know how long it's been since you felt God's presence, but you cannot doubt. You could be desperate, but you cannot doubt. Hold on to every piece of scripture you can. Hold on to every past experience you had with God. Hold on to any hope you have that you can remember, that you can bring your mind to. Because you cannot doubt. Because when you doubt, you're going to lose hope. And then you'll let go. Jacob had the willpower to hold on till the sunrise. Why? Because he didn't doubt. He didn't doubt. He said, this is it. I know this is God. This is crazy that I'm wrestling God, but I know it's him. And I can't let him go. I can't let him go. I can't let him go. He's going to give it to me. He's going to give it to me. He's going to give it to me. Don't doubt. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. 
You guys get what I'm saying? You were desperate, but you're not desperate because you're not sure it's going to work and you're, and, you, and you're scared to death. You're desperate because you need him, but you're not doubting because you know he's faithful. You're desperate because he's the one that can save you, but you're not doubting because he's always faithful. That's that tricky balance. But I believe God wants to change the way that you seek after his face, after his presence, to understand this delicate balance. You have to be desperate, but you cannot doubt. So now we're going to land this plane. He says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We love this verse, don't we? I love this verse too. Can I tell you something? That word all, your heart, that's the whole crux of that verse. I don't think we really know what the word all means. I think if you're desperate, that's a start. But the Lord, the Lord gave me that word, desperate and not doubting. That's all your heart. Because then in that moment, you've given him all your focus, all your hope, all your trust, all your attention, all your energy. And you've given him all the faith that you have, all the assurance that you have every fiber of your being and you will never let go. That's all your heart. And can I be honest with you guys? There are many times when I thought I got to all, I wasn't there yet. He gonna take you deeper. When the, I'm gonna speak right now. To those of you when the problem got worse, that might, that might be because God was like, you're not at all yet. You're not at all yet. Situation's not bad enough where you're desperate enough. You're not at all just yet. I need you to know that you're going to get me when you give all of yourself. Because you know why God asked that? Because he says, when I come, my son and my daughter, I give all of myself to you. I'm going to say that one more time. That's only fair. God says, I come only when you give me all of yourself. Because when I come, I give you all of me. I never hold back anything from you, my child. I never hold back any blessing, any protection, any answer, any, any blessing, anything that I have for you. I never hold back any part of my love, any part of my presence, any part of my goodness. I give all of me to you. But isn't it just how all relationships work? Shouldn't you give me all of you? I think that's the heart of a father. He says, I'll give all of me to you. But I just want to know, do you love me the same? Are you going to give me all of you? I think that's the whole conversation between you and God. And this is the promise that I want you to leave here today with. You will find him. But guys, I don't know if we've, and this is me included, I don't know if any of us have, or very few times have ever sought after God with all of our heart. All of it. We gotta be desperate, guys. And we can't doubt. So let's really land this plane. I said it too early because when I scrolled up, there was another point on my PowerPoint. All right, so now we're gonna really land this plane. So what is the blessing? What did Jacob get? What did he get at the end of this? He got a broken hip and a new name. Wow. I don't think that's what he asked for. <laughs> think about it, guys. He got a broken hip 
and a new name. Let's read the actual blessing that God gave him. It says in Genesis 32, 28, Then God said, or he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, if I was Jacob, I would have been like, it's not what I asked for. I asked you to protect me from my maniac brother who's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and is coming with his 400 friends. That's what I asked for. I didn't ask for a name change. I kind of like my name. I didn't ask for that. And you messed up my hip. Could you heal that too? This is not the answer to the question that he asked for. Isn't it interesting that God usually gives you an answer that you didn't ask for? He usually gives you something you didn't ask for. Isn't that interesting? One more quick thing about the hip. I want you to know, I believe it's just for Jacob so that he would never rely on his ability to do things again. So sometimes God has to limit your capacity to do things so you won't be tempted to earn everything again and live by grace. So that's the hip thing. So, but we're going to move on to the name thing because the name thing is really important. Why is this a blessing? Why is a name change a blessing? And why was it the thing that Jacob needed. I'm going to tell you right now, guys. And can I have worship team come back up? God changed his name because it was a symbol of the transformation that took place inside of him. God used an outward change in his name to be a symbol of the inward change that happened inside of his heart. God said, Jacob, you're not the same person anymore. After our wrestling match, after our encounter, you're not the same person anymore. You've seen my face. You're going to leave here a different person. I believe that's what God wants to do for every one of us. We step into God's presence, not just to see who he is, but for him to change us so that we're never the same again. You know, many times we're like Jacob. We pray over our situation and we ask God to change our situation. Let me tell you something. I think God is much more concerned about changing you than changing your situation. I think God is much more concerned about changing who you are than what's happening around you. I think God would rather answer the questions that are inside your heart about who you are, what your purpose is, where you're going, who he is to you, than talk about what your financial situation is, to be honest with you. I think God would much rather change the weaknesses that you carry within you, the things that have plagued you all your life, the temptations and the addictions that you can't break. I think God would much rather address that than what's happening at your job. Not to belittle it, but God is saying the greater work, the greater blessing, the bigger answer that I could give you is what I do inside of you, not around you. It's never what happens around you that matters. It's what happens inside of you. And you realize that God didn't give him any assurance of tomorrow. He asked for it. God didn't give it to him. God gave him something better. God said, you want to know what happens tomorrow? You don't need to know. Do you know why? Because he said, I'm with you. That's why you don't need to know. You can face tomorrow because you know that I am beside you. You can face tomorrow because of what you've gone through with me in this wrestling match. Because you were desperate for me and you didn't doubt. You know you have all of me because you've given all of you. You know that I am right beside you. And I will never, ever leave your side. I will never leave your side. That's the answer to his prayer. He said, I don't want you to have confidence tomorrow in the outcome that I'm going to give you. I want you to have confidence tomorrow because of who your God is. 
Because let me tell you something, guys. If God just gave you an answer of what's going to happen in the future, you would never trust him. You would trust answers. He's not a fortune teller. He's your God. He's your father. Again, if God just answered your question about what's going to happen tomorrow, you would always put your confidence in knowing things, knowing events, knowing answers, having knowledge. God's saying, I don't want you to have faith in that. I want you to have faith in me. So I want you to be desperate for me. Don't doubt. So that when you see my face, when you realize, just like Jacob in the middle of his wrestling match, when you realize that God is right in front of me, you'll be changed forever. Do you guys believe that? God is saying, I don't want to change your situation. I want to change you. I want you to see that I am right beside you. And the moment you see my face and you step into my presence, two things happen. Your faith will grow and you will never be the same. That's how you become like Jesus. That's how you put on the new self. For you guys out there who feel like you've never changed, you can't break this habit, you can't, you can't break your old way of life, you can't break away from your old friends, you can't break from those old addictions, you can't break from those old sins, let me tell you something. It's not by what you do. It's not by you asking God to do something in you. It's not about you trying to get better, wrestling like Jacob. No, it's you stepping into the presence of God, realizing he's right in front of you. Because when you see the face of God, and you hear his voice, you will never be the same. He does the work. You just being in his presence. When you see him and you know it's him, you will never be the same again. That's the power of God. And your faith will grow. Your faith will grow so strong that no matter what situation you see on the outside, because you've been to that desperate place, because you've been to that never doubting place, you'll never be shaken again. You'd be like, oh, I've been here. Oh, I've been here. But you know what? He's here. How's that person know that? Because he's been to that desperate place. He's been to that place where he was desperate and didn't doubt. And that's where I feel like God is inviting you today. Right now. Can you just interact with God right now? Can you just close your eyes and pray right now? I believe God is calling you to that place. He's calling you right now. You want him? He's saying, I'm here. But you got to be desperate for me. You got to give me all of your heart and don't doubt for a second that I'm going to answer you. I know it's been a long time since you felt my presence, since you've seen my face, but know that if you are desperate for me, I'm going to come. I'm going to reveal myself to you, but you cannot doubt. And God is saying, I know what you're praying for. I know the situation on your heart but I want to do a greater work in you right now. I want to do a greater thing in you right now. I want to change you on the inside first so that that way you will never be shaken again no matter what happens to you on the outside. I want to change you and give you a new name. I don't want to give you a new situation. I want to give you a new name. I'm going to say that again. The Spirit of the Lord is saying, I don't want to give you a new situation. I want to give you a new name. I don't just want to give you a new life, a new circumstance. I want to give you a new identity. And that's in me. That's when you look on my face. And that's when you see who I am. Then you know who you are. And when your faith is so strong that you will never be shaken, that's your new name. That's who you know. That's when you know who you really are.